So most of you know if you've been here in the last few weeks, we are in the middle of our summer series called Amazing Relationships. Amazing Relationships. Because no matter what the relationship, no matter how great it is, no matter how flawed it is, it's amazing. Because raise your hand if people are challenging. Can we get some amens? People are challenging. Uh, okay, while we were in the spirit of lifting our hands, raise your hand if you have any difficult relationships in your life. Yeah, a few of us. Some of us, and I'm not looking, some of us are in those difficult relationships right now. We're sitting next to the person. Some of us had some difficult conversations on the way to church this morning. Yeah, that's it, right? But here's the thing about church. I don't know why we're wired this way, but like you could be just literally cussing somebody out on the way to church. But as soon as that door closes and you walk in, well, hello. Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? Honey, have you met? It's like, what? Wait a minute. What just happened? But the truth of the matter is relationships uh, are difficult. They're challenging. And some of us, even the, the most important relationships of our lives sometimes can be really challenging. I'm thinking of marriage here. I'm thinking of family relationships with siblings, with parents. I'm thinking about uh, one of the places we spend the most time of our lives, and that's at work. And so relationships are really challenging. And I'm going to talk about difficult relationships today. Um, John Paul Sartre said this. He said, hell is other people. (laughs) So from this, I think the best course of action is to do what we can in our lives to avoid other people. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this service. No, right? Can you imagine you came to church and they were just like, just stay away from people. You know, just hang out with the people that you like, the people that are good to you. No, that's not the case, right? Sometimes we care deeply about people, but there are these conflicts and there are these walls that are put up. And so what can we do? I'm just going to spend a few minutes tossing an option out there. It's not an end-all, be-all. It's not a quick fix. In fact, it's probably one of the most challenging things we're going to find ourselves doing in our relationships. I'm going to throw this out here and see what you think about it. Have you ever been on a walk, you're in the woods, or uh, you're, you're out in nature, and you come across a tree or a plant that is kind of twisted and contorted and bent, and it just looks misshapen, it looks odd. You, you see a tree that's kind of, uh, there's no limbs on this side, it's kind of just off to this side, stretched out. You ever experienced this out in the wild when you're, when you're walking around? Here's what we don't do. We don't look at that tree and judge it. We just see that tree and we kind of just know the backstory there. We know how plants work. And so we know that what probably happened in the life of this tree was that it didn't get the sunlight that it needed in a certain area. And so it literally had to stretch for life. It didn't get the water that it needed, so it struggled. In front of my house right now, Uh, The front does not get adequate sunlight right up against the front of the house. So it's really great for my paint job, and it's really horrible for any plant life that we would put there. But there are these little flowers, and I'm not sure what kind of flowers they are, but they're planted in the front of my house. And when you walk by, when they first start to flower, you go, this is the year. This is it. This is the one they're going to defy all odds. It's amazing. But what happens is this bloom happens, this beautiful bloom, and then the plant slowly starts to shift this way. And you can see the plant literally stretching for sunlight 
just begging, if I could just get one inch farther into the lawn, I'll catch a little sun. And you know right there, you're not judging it. You're not saying, stupid plant. Why would you grow there? There's no judgment. You just know that that's how it is, and you know it's trying to get life. And so with this analogy in mind, with this thought about plant life, Ram Das says this, the minute you get near humans, you lose all that. The minute you see a person that you find difficult, the, the minute you find somebody who rubs you the wrong way, the minute your relationship starts to go sour because of complexities and struggles and arguments, you lose any sense of that non-judgment that we hold towards plants. And you're constantly saying, you're to this or I'm to this. That judging mind comes in. And, and listen to this. He says, and so I practice turning people into trees. I just want to pause on that for a second. He says, I pra- what, what I have tried to adopt in my life, what I've tried to, to bring into my consciousness is I practice turning people into trees. And what does that mean? It means appreciating them just the way they are. You don't get an axe and cut that tree down. I haven't been in the flower bed just ripping those stupid flowers that can't figure out a way to get to the sunlight. That's not how we have a relationship with nature, but that is unfortunately how many of us have a relationship with other people. If only you were this way, if only you'd get your act together, if only you saw things the way I see them, if only you could have this realization. What if, it sounds silly, and depending on where you are in life right now, you might reject this notion or you might be open arms. But what if we practiced turning people into trees? What if instead of judging them for what they're not, we were able to look right at them and see them for who they are and realize that maybe they didn't get the sunlight that they needed? Maybe they didn't receive adequate water and nourishment in their life and in their upbringing and where they came from and what their family situation was. I don't know the whole backstory, but I can assume just by looking at some of the twists and turns and bends and the way their life is contorted to one side, without judgment, maybe I can just see them as they are and give loving acceptance. I think, honestly, when I first came across this idea, it was revolutionary to me. And I hope I keep it with me for the rest of my life. But it is a difficult thing to do, to look at somebody and see them as they are and just accept it. To not attach a backstory to it and to not give judgment to it. But what would it do, I ask you this morning, to your difficult relationships, your challenging relationships, the ones that you struggle, the ones that you want, or the ones that you need, But there's a wall that you keep hitting and there's a conflict that keeps happening and there's things that aren't going the way. What if you practice for a minute turning people into trees? Consider those of us in the room or watching online that might have a challenging or difficult relationship with a spouse or a significant other. Instead of thinking, if you saw things the way I see it, you'd change. If you understood reality the way I understand reality, you wouldn't act the way you act. What if, what if, what if you stopped, saw them as they are, and asked, I wonder the things that have brought them to the place that they are today. You know, what was their relationship with relationships 
when they were growing up? What were their challenges? What was the, the example that was set for them? What, what, was there a loving family relationship in their home or did they struggle? Because all of these things, our ecosystem, the environment in which we are born and raised has a lot to do with our formation and who we become. So what if instead of ruling it outright and saying, you need to change, you need to see my way, what if for a second you stopped and said, I wonder all of the elements that came into be to make you where you are right this moment. Or what about your work? What about your boss? The one who's always on everybody's case. There's no trust in the workplace. You don't know if somebody's going to throw you under the bus and their culture is toxic. What if you were able for one second to look at your boss and see them as they are? And say, I wonder if there's a lot of fear cultivating them. Fear to perform. Fear to reach the numbers. Fear to keep the market share. Fear to not fail and and collapse and close the doors. Fear from the economy. What if they are being fed by fear? It's not an excuse. It doesn't change things. It doesn't fix your work environment right then and there. But what if you were able to remove yourself from the judgment of, my life would be better if I had a better job. And things would go much smoother around here if that boss got his or her life together. What if for a minute you were able to stop and ask, I wonder what were the elements that led to being how this is. Or think about relationships between parents and children, and especially the adults with parents in the room who have struggled, hurtful relationships. What if for a second we were able to look at our mom or our dad and begin to ask the question, I wonder what their upbringing was like. I wonder what their home situation is. In some cases, we already have this information, but we're so mad and we're so hurt and we're so broken and we're so hesitant and we're so resistant that we push all of those out of our mind because they're excuses. Yes, that's how you were raised, but you can do better. And yes, that was your experience growing up, but why don't you change? And that's fair. But what if for a minute we were able to pause and just see them as they are with no judgment? It might not fix the relationship right then and there, but it will soften our gaze and it will change the way we see other people. And that in and of itself starts to alleviate some of the suffering that we're experiencing around a relationship. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but most of our suffering is based on the stories we tell ourselves. This is how it is. This is how it should be. That's a story you tell yourself. So what if we alter the narrative for a second and say, this is how it is. We're standing in front of a tree. No judgment. No bitterness. No resentment. No backstory. When I, when I think about this concept, I'm reminded of the teachings of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 5, he starts his statement like this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You'll notice that love your neighbor is in quotes because there's actual (laughs) words for that. 
hate your enemy was kind of implied. Yeah, I can love my, I can love my neighbor. I can figure that out. The enemy, that, no, they're on the other side. I hate them. Jesus says, and here's the thing. We need those training wheels. We need to learn out of the gate just to simply love our neighbor. Some of us have a, a difficult time loving just the people who are close to us with no conflicts whatsoever. So the concept of loving somebody who's difficult, that's too much right now. So we need those training wheels. But Jesus turns up the heat a little bit. Verse 45 says, or excuse me, verse 44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Raise your hand if this is like common practice. You're just nailing this. This is how most of our prayers for our enemies sound. God, get their life together before I take it from them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Or when we're praying for our work situation, we're praying for, Lord, would you just transfer my boss to another branch? That would relieve so much pain and so much suffering. That's how we pray for our enemies. But Jesus did something revolutionary. That's not what he was talking about. Look, he says, pray for your enemies. He doesn't say pray for the situation that they put you in. There's a practice of meditation called loving kindness meditation. And here's what you do. You sit, you're present, you close your eyes, you breathe, and then you start in your head to just say things like, may they find peace. May they find joy. May they be well. And when they teach loving kindness meditation, they start with, You should do this for, think about a child or somebody who's close to you. And you can kind of think these things. But then, graduate school meditation, you start to bring some of the enemies or some of those difficult relationships, some of those strained and struggled relationships with people that you have a hard time even looking in the eye, let alone loving. And imagine, instead of saying, God changed them, or I don't want anything to do with them. If this situation doesn't turn around, I'm out of here. If things don't look better, I'm done. What if you sat with it and said, God, give them peace. Give them joy. Give them fulfillment. Give them happiness. Have you ever in your life encountered a selfish person who was also joyful? Have you ever seen somebody destroy A circumstance who was filled with joy. No. A lot of the hurt that people cause and a lot of the hurt that we cause other people comes from a place of brokenness and pain. So what if we could get quiet enough to pray for those who hurt us? Verse 45, he says, In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And this is everything right here. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. I used to hear this scripture growing up in sermons, and it talked about the balancing act that God plays. If you're a good person, guess what? God sends sun for good days, but God will also send rain. You're not getting out of the bad days either. But that's the same for the, for the sinners and for those who are far away and for the hurtful and for the mean. God gives them sunlight, but guess what? He also gives them rain. That is exactly the wrong interpretation of this passage. 
That is not what this passage is saying at all. I know that most of us, when we look out the window and see a rainy day, it, it is a sort of pain. Because now, now that I thought it was going to be sunny, we had these plans. And I wanted, but if a farmer looks out the window and it's a rainy day, What this passage is saying, God does not discriminate on who gets the goodness. We need the sun and we need the rain for life and for growth and for wellness and for happiness. And so what this scripture says is God does not pick good people and bad people. God isn't looking at the flowers God deems most pretty and just raining on them. And just shining sun on them. But God opens that up to everyone and anyone. And He is saying, we should do the same. What if we didn't discriminate who got the good stuff of our lives? What if we didn't just save it for the people that we love and the people that we have an easy relationship with? What if we didn't just say this person is deserving of goodness and this person needs to get their stuff together before I can even go there in this relationship? If you want to try this, um, it's going to end badly for you. If you ever give my family a plant of any kind, it's going to die. It will die. Plant, my house is where plants go to die. Anytime we've ever bought a plant and brought it home because it's beautiful, I know this will look so good on the front porch, and this, will be, this is going to be amazing, and this time is going to be different. Two weeks later, done. Garbage can. We try it every year, though, right, right in the front of my house. I already told you that we don't get a lot of sun, and so we get those hanging planters that hang from the porch, and day one and day two, they're beautiful. They're amazing. Two weeks later, they're done. And you know what it is? Some of it's the sunshine, but a lot of it is we seem to forget that you actually are supposed to add water. <laughs> oh, you're supposed to water these plants? It's not a self-watering scenario. And so I'm, my wife's not here right now, but I'll get her permission second service. One time I saw my wife watering a dead plant. I'm not, I'm not talking about a plant that's kind of struggling, needs a little tea. I'm talking about an absolute dead, brown, withered there was like an R.I.P. sign in the middle of, there was a gravestone behind this plant. And I saw my wife watering and I'm like, babe, what are you, what's going on? I'm like checking her pulse. I'm like, are you, hey, are you okay? And she's like, no, I think we can, I think we can bring it back to life. I think there's a little bit left in this thing. I think we can turn it around. And I like, I had the counselor. I'm like, babe, this thing's done. We got to get the shovel. We got to bury this thing. It's over. Some of us approach relationships this way when they start to go bad when they go south we just assume they're dead and so you know what i'm not going to waste any more time on the goodness for you i'm not going to waste any more time on grace for you i'm not going to waste any time on love for you but who are we to decide who are we to decide when that person no longer needs the nourishment of god's love and grace and kindness what if we didn't play favorites what if we just let the rain rain and the sunshine? What if we did that with our lives? I guarantee, if nothing else, you will be happier in relationships. You will find fulfillment. You will find greater joy. You will find a semblance of peace. But here's what also might happen, because the opposite is true as well. I have seen plants that are withering 
that someone else wrote off. I've seen those plants nursed back to life. So what I'm telling you this morning is don't give up on those difficult relationships. Don't withhold the sunshine of love. Don't withhold the rain of grace. Just let it flow and let God take care of the rest. Who are we to write people off? Who are we to write relationships off? Every Easter we sing songs about resurrection. Can it not be true for our relationships? Can it not be true for our personal lives? God doesn't discriminate, neither should we. Now, you might not be able to single-handedly turn your situation around. You might not be able to go into a toxic work environment and turn it around with this. But what if when everybody else is piling on gossip, you were the one that brought encouragement? When other people are saying if they could get their departments together and if they could fix up this side of the workplace, then we, what if you just did everything you could do with the idea of loving kindness and openness and generosity? What if that became contagious and other people started doing the same and they took notice that when everybody else is pouring gasoline on your workplace, you're pouring generosity and kindness and love and forgiveness? What would happen? What's the potential there? What what, what can we grow from there? And so above all else, I I want for us to take this away. Don't do this just to change another person. Do this because this is the nature of love. To indiscriminately shower kindness and goodness on all of humanity. Those we have no problem loving and those it's very difficult to love. Just pour love. And there's two, two big notes that I want to take away from this before we wrap this thing up this morning. Don't forget, you're a tree as well. Because here's what could happen. We could get this idea and we could fall in love with this idea and then we could go about and, you know, and we're Greta Green Thumb and Gary Green Thumb and I'm just going to nurse all of these broken, messed up people back to health. I'm just going to go fix everybody. But that's, you're a tree too. And let me just tell you this, if you don't know this already, you have twists and bends. In certain areas of your life, there are contortions. There are things that aren't right. There are things that are twisted up and closed off. There are areas of your life that didn't get the sunlight that they needed. You might not be able to see them now, but they're there. So when you're practicing this, realize The the grace goes both ways. The the amount of love that we show, we need that coming back to us as well. We have flaws. We have areas. We have blind spots that we don't see. When we're standing on the one side of an argument and we're saying, if only you could see things my way, things would change. What do you think the other person's doing on the other side of the argument? If you could see things my way, things would change. We need the grace coming back our way as well. But here's, might be even more critical. You need to be able to open up grace for yourself. You need to be able to look at the tree that is your life in all of its complications and struggles and strains and not judge yourself. Not let anger and bitterness from your past 
or if things were better for me or if things could have turned around or if I would have had this opportunity or if I would have been raised in this environment or if my family looked this way. Look at yourself as you are and who you are with no judgment and just accept yourself. And when you do that, you open up the door to so much grace so much love, so much forgiveness. And when you're able to forgive yourself, when you're able to be gracious to yourself, how do you think you're going to respond to other people? And second note is this. Sometimes you actually do have to make a change in your relationship. I want to tell you this. If you find yourself in a physically or emotionally abusive situation you need to do something about it counseling might be a thing but actually physically removing yourself from a situation might be and i don't believe the lie that as a christian or as a person of faith that no i can just love them into changing That's not what I'm saying. You can see somebody as a tree, see the brokenness in them and see what's flawed and why they are the way they are, but you don't have to build a tree house there. You can accept them and you can see them with no judgment and go, you know, I bet this is the stuff that made you how you are right now, but you don't have to live there to love them. Sometimes you have to remove yourself from a situation. So I want to say that this morning. Don't believe this lie that it's up to you to fix or save or change anyone. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is step aside, reevaluate, seek counseling, talk to a professional, take steps necessary for real growth and real change. In the song that they sang for offering, one of the verses said this this morning. I want to see your sadness. I want to share your sin. I want to bleed your blood and I want to be let in. Don't you just, don't we all just want to be together? We dehumanize people all the time. When someone hurts us, when someone is difficult in our eyes, we we remove them from their humanity they're just a thing they're just a source of pain what if we rehumanized one another and saw all the the complexities that go into making a person the doubts the fears the shame the hurt the brokenness the pain and what if we just put all of our hearts out on the table for full display and said i'm broken coming into this relationship and so are you. I have flaws, and so do you. There are areas of my life that didn't receive the nourishment that they needed, and there are areas of your life. We're just going to be who we are, fully open together, no judgment. I wonder what kind of conversations could spring from that. I wonder what kind of transformation can happen. John Paul Sartre said, hell is other people. It can be if that's how we choose to see the world. But what if we started practicing turning people into trees?